0: Healthy from the inside out. This is Valley Well, Valle Salud, a health and wellness information program brought to you by Valley Wise Health and District Medical Group. Each week, we go in depth with different healthcare experts on some of your top health questions, getting answers to help you live your best life. Hello, and welcome to Valley Well, Valle Salud. I'm your host, Lauren Vargas. The transition from childhood to adulthood is a critical stage of life that comes with countless milestones and big changes. So how can we set our kids up for long-term success as they become teenagers and beyond? Today, we're talking with three experts from the Adolescent Healthcare Clinic at Valleywise Health. Dr. Michael Dobbs is a district medical group pediatrician, Laura Leone is a medical assistant, and Charmaine Jackson is a nurse and a clinical resource leader at Valleywise Health. Thank you all so much for joining us this morning.
1: Thank you, Lauren. It's great to be here.
2: Thank you. Good morning. Thank you.
0: So all of you work at ValleyWise Comprehensive Health Center Phoenix, which is on the main campus at 24th Street and Roosevelt. Dr. Dobbs, we'll start with you. Can you explain what makes your clinic special?
1: I think the most important thing that makes our clinic special is the people that are sitting here that are you're listening to. So Charmaine Jackson and Laura Leone are critical parts of our team which provide comprehensive care to teenagers. Both of them have been working with me for the past several years. And I think together we've put together a really nice team that tries to provide uh, a whole package of services to teenagers. In fact, over the past couple of years, we've gone through a pretty intensive quality improvement and certification process where we did a sort of external audit of the services that we provided. And Um, achieved what's called a Gold Level Certification uh, in our adolescent healthcare clinic, Um, really trying to provide comprehensive services that are really teen-focused, that are young adult-focused, which is a little bit different experience than you'll get sort of in your just routine pediatric clinic.
0: And what about, I, I know you guys are certified, Gold Level Certified, Charmaine, can you explain what that means and what it took to get that certification?
2: Yeah, so it was about an 18 month long certification process where we looked at our clinic and areas that we could make improvements on and what's important for teenagers, what are some of their needs and how we can meet those needs to make this clinic more teen friendly because in a pediatric office you have a lot of kids and it can be babies and crying and (laughs) maybe not something that a teenager is going to want to come and be comfortable at. So we want to make it to where they feel that they are a part of it, our clinic individually. And we set up, you know, cell phone charging stations, um, separate waiting room area. So they're not with the little kids they're on their own. So just different made it, even the decor is different for them.
0: And you feel like that makes a difference.
2: It does. And from the feedback that we got from our teenagers, they enjoy that and it makes them feel heard. And we got we got their input as well. And that's what was important. We asked them what what things would make you feel comfortable coming here? And that was their feedback.
0: So why is it important for healthcare services to be tailored to adolescents specifically?
1: So teenagers are very different than both little kids. And then from adults, they're in that sort of weird transition phase where they're, you know, not fully fledged adults. You know, they're not out um, necessarily living on their own. They're not uh, always having jobs. They're not done with high school. They're also not little kids who are sort of completely dependent on their parents. And they know that they really want to be taken seriously. They want to be talked to um, and they want their views to be sort of respected and listened to. And so one of the things that we try and do our clinic in our clinic is, of course, that we want parents to be involved in the process. But for instance, I will direct many of my questions when I'm talking to somebody for the first time to the teenager um, to try and get their understanding of what might be going on with their own health care, which is really a change. You know if you think about a little kid going to the pediatric clinic, oftentimes the parent is the one who's going to be doing the talking. You know the pediatrician will be spending much of the time talking with them. One of the things that we try and do is really make that more teen and youth focused. So, of course, the parents are going to be involved, but I really am trying to shift more onto them as they are sort of developing into an independent adult.
0: If you're just tuning in with us, we're talking about healthcare for teens and tweens at Valleywise Health. You can make an appointment for your child or yourself at Valleywise Health by calling 833-855-9973, Monday through Friday from seven thirty a.m. to five p.m. Or you can visit valleywisehealth.org and click the book appointment button. So Charmaine, what what do you think is the number one issue? What are you guys seeing? Um, you know, the number one or some of the major healthcare issues facing our teenagers today.
2: Well, I would definitely say the world that we have right now with COVID. Um, a lot of our teenagers, good majority of them, are doing homeschooling, and they're doing online, and they're not getting an interaction with their peers and friends Yes, they have social media outlets, but then we have other issues that can come from that as well. So there's that isolation that they're experiencing, and that can be a concern for our teenagers right now. And that's been the number one concern with most of them that we've been talking to of late. Wouldn't you agree, Dr. Dobbs?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, As part of my standard interview, I talk about how school is going, how life is going, sort of social connections, and almost universally the teenagers I've been talking to over the past few months have identified this school disruption as really impacting them. I'd say about 90 plus percent of the teenagers I'm talking to would prefer to be back in school, but understand that they need to balance that with trying to keep their family healthy. And in fact, I've had a lot of teenagers say, like, I would rather be back in school but I live with my grandma who has medical conditions and I wanna do my part to help keep her healthy and keep her safe. And I don't wanna get this virus and bring it back. And so I think this social isolation is definitely impacting teenagers.
0: So how do you manage that? How do you walk through that with the patients and maybe their parents?
1: So the first thing that we do, for instance, when let let me just sort of walk you through um, what a teenager might experience if they're coming to our clinic. So it is going to start with Laura, sort of bringing them back from the waiting area, and as part of that sort of rooming process, she's going to ask validated, evidence-based screening questions that help assess uh, a teenager or a young person's mental health. Additionally, she's going to ask some other questions about other, you know, behaviors that teenagers could engage in that, you know, sometimes we consider more higher risk. And so um, as she's doing that, she will also sort of emphasize the confidential nature of these questions. You know that we are asking these questions to try and figure out how to best help a teenager be as successful as possible. So after she has done that, you know, we'll have a little conversation about sort of what their top concerns are, and then we'll bring the parent back in and sort of start the sort of full interview. As we're doing this, and as I talk to the teenager, both with the parent and then one-on-one, If we identify any sort of mental health issues, mental health concerns, that's when I will start talking to the teenager and to the parent, usually together, about sort of what the next steps are, how to sort of best manage that.
0: District Medical Group pediatrician Dr. Michael Dobbs, medical assistant Laura Leone, and nurse Charmaine Jackson with Valleywise Health are answering your top questions about teenage health. You can make an appointment for your child or yourself at Valleywise Health by calling 833-855-9973 or by visiting valleywisehealth.org. So. As we're talking about, you know, bringing in the parents into their health care, not just for COVID, but for for everything, how do you manage that? If a teenager wants to talk to you privately, um, how do you kind of manage that relationship with the parents in a visit?
1: So what I really try and emphasize is that I, I really want parents to be involved in their children's healthcare and their teenagers' health care. However, I also realize that sometimes a teenager or a young person may have something going on that they might feel embarrassed to talk about in front of their parent or you know if there's siblings along with the visit, which oftentimes happens. You know, we, we can all imagine questions that we might have had, you know, as a teenager, as a young person, where I'm like, well, I want to ask somebody about that, but I don't want like my mom or dad to like sort of be in here because it might be a little embarrassing. What I try and emphasize to the family is that I I always spend the first part of the visit talking with the family together. But then I always try and interview and talk with the teenager one on one to give them the chance to bring up any other concerns that they may have that are maybe of a more sensitive nature, or they may feel uncomfortable talking about in front of their parents, or maybe they just want help knowing how to talk about this to their parent. This is also not just sort of my recommendation, but this is something that is recommended from all of your national pediatric groups, from the AAP, American Academy of Pediatricians, to the Society for Adolescent Health and Medicine. Really recommend this as a critical part of young adults and teenage healthcare. Now, of course, respecting that confidentiality, I have to keep in mind issues where I'd have to inform somebody. I have a duty to, to inform. For instance, somebody had told me they had thoughts of self-harm, you know, which unfortunately can happen. Well, in that case, I am going to have to discuss that with, with a caregiver or with a parent, because there is that potential danger to them. But apart from those sort of more extreme versions. What I really try and emphasize to the feelings that what we're talking about is more private to give them space to bring up concerns that they may have.
2: Yeah, and I think what's really great about our clinic and what Laura does really well, when our kids first come into the clinic and they're in the waiting room, she brings, and Laura, why don't you talk about what you do when you see that patient in the waiting room? You bring them in and you talk to them. Yes. I bring them in by themselves to start. Um, I let the parent know I'm going to be getting them ready. There's going to be personal questions, which I'm going to be addressing with them. Once we're in the room, the patient and myself, um, I introduce myself. I make them feel comfortable. And I tell them I'm going to be asking them a few personal questions. Some are um, some sensitive questions which will only stay between us two and the doctor. Unless I feel like they're in danger to themselves or that they're in danger to anyone else, then that's the only reason why this conversation is no longer confidential. Yeah, I think that's great, Laura.
0: Absolutely. So let's talk about some of the other big things that teenagers will be faced with during this stage of life. Of course, puberty comes to mind when you're transitioning from childhood into adulthood. How do you guys work with the patients and, you know, the parents to kind of walk them through that in a healthy way?
1: So I think this is something that pediatricians can play a very big role in, and many parents' you know, of course, everybody who is a parent will have gone through puberty, right? But they may have not actually had any sort of more formal education or or understanding of what's exactly happening. And this is where I think pediatricians play a big role, even starting in that pre-pubertal or early pubertal phase, you know, sitting down and talking with the family about what to expect. Um, for instance, if they are seeing a young girl who is just sort of starting going through the, the changes of puberty, making sure that, the parent has talked with them about the fact that um, they're going to start having their periods within the next couple of years. So this isn't a surprise. Um, when I'm seeing a, I, a boy um, talking about, you know, what you can expect in terms of height gain or, or other changes that you will experience over the next couple of years. The other thing, of course, is just emphasizing to, to teenagers and tweens that this is something that they all go through. You know, that this is an expected part of development and there can be some scary feelings at times, but this is all normal and that we've all made it through and that they will make it through too.
0: Very good. I know it can always be an awkward time for, you know, the the kids and the parents. Um, I remember my mom got really uncomfortable talking to me about it, which kind of surprised me, but you know, that was a long time ago. Do you feel like these things are becoming less taboo as, you know, these kids are on social media, and they're all talking. And do you see some of that changing, where people are, are more open to talking about this than they used to be?
1: Yeah, I think so. But of course, it still varies a lot by family. I, I think there are some families who are going to be sort of very engaged in that process and really have that sort of open communication. While other families might feel a little bit more hesitant, and part of that could be because they don't know what to say. And so I think that's, like I said, where we can step in. And I've had multiple conversations where a parent has asked me, well, I'm not sure exactly what to tell them, or can you help sort of guide this conversation? And of course, we're more than happy to do that. Now, of course, uh, it's one of those conversations where you could have the teenager sitting there and the parent sitting there, and both of them are looking slightly uncomfortable because it's like, oh, gross, I don't want to talk about this. But I think once you emphasize that this is a normal process, everybody is going through it, and here's sort of what to expect, I think that actually really can ha- open up those um, lines of communication between the teenager and the parent.
2: And I think, too, is um, cultural, cult- cultural, um, depending on each person's culture, background. Um, sometimes you will see more hesitation on speaking about certain topics and not really understanding how to talk about it and that's where Dr. Dobbs does such a great job it, with the parents is maybe even getting them to feel a little bit comfortable in something that their normally their cultural norm isn't for them so sometimes it's just having that dialogue and that openness that gets them to feel oh, okay this is a safe place that I can start talking about these concerns
0: You know, another topic that can be kind of hard to talk about, especially in front of your parents, would be alcohol use and drug use that some of these teenagers are being pressured into during this time. How do you get the the patients and the kids to open up to you? Do you feel like they're being honest with you? And, you know, if they do say that they're actively using these substances, how do you deal with that?
1: So a lot of that, comes from a, a teenager being willing to answer this question comes from the trust that they have in you as a medical professional. And if you're able to establish with them that they can trust you, that you aren't necessarily going to betray their confidence um, and you're not gonna sit there and lecture them because you know teenagers, uh, they spend hours of getting lectured in school a day, right? So that's not really what they're looking for. So the first thing that I try and do is actually, Especially with somebody who's a little bit younger, is get an idea of what's happening in their peer group, in their social group. So I'll I won't even necessarily start with asking directly, you know, are you using X substance? I'll be like, Have any of your friends talked about this? Have any of your friends started using these substances? Or what is this conversation you've had with your parents? And you actually really get to learn a lot. You know, if if I have somebody who's like, Oh well, both of my parents use substances, and all of my friends do. You know, I'm obviously going to be very concerned. Versus, you know, a young person who's like, "I'm really focused on school. This is something that I'm not about. Um, I have really no interest." You you really get a different sense. Now, of course, we know that adolescents and teenagers can have some more risk-taking behaviors. Unfortunately, though, due to how their brain is developing, they're, I think, more susceptible to developing such as like addiction or a substance use disorder. So of course, I highly discourage the use of any sort of substances in teenagers because I am very concerned about the effect that has on the developing brain. You know, just as their body is going through changes and transition, the brain is still changing and developing and growing. And it's hard for us as adults to remember and think, but I really do strongly think that the teenage brain is a little bit different than the adult brain. If you've ever had a teenager be like, I just don't understand what adults are thinking. Well, that's probably true. The teenage brain is actually really good at many things, such as learning, such as learning thinking out of the box, coming up with creative solutions. If I try to learn a new language in my 40s, it's just not going to go well. Ask a teenager to do it. They'll be able to pick something up much faster. But I think that also means that they're more susceptible to things like substances. So anything from Know, THC or marijuana-based products to nicotine, all of those, I think, can have a very negative effect on the developing brain, and that's what my primary concern is.
0: We're talking about health care for adolescents, which means uh, children between the ages of 10 and 19, Um, and you can make an appointment for your child or yourself at Valleywise Health by calling 833-855-9973 or by visiting valleywisehealth.org. We're talking about the difference between um, a teenager and an adult, you know, in body and mind, and another thing that, you know, teenagers notoriously have to deal with, especially females is um, eating restrictions and eating disorders um, and feeling like they have to keep up and have that perfect body or what they think is the perfect body. Do you see still a trend of eating disorders and, and how do you handle that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Eating disorders are almost one extreme of this entire um, spectrum of, of eating issues. So so someone can have be very focused on their nutrition um, and, and restrict without necessarily even meeting the the criteria for an eating disorder, but still have a lot of sort of negative effects on their health, on their well-being. And one thing that I have seen and continue to see, especially, it happens to boys too, of course, but it does seem to be weighted a little bit more towards girls, is as they go through puberty, as their sort of body is changing, get into those sort of mid-teen years, is there's this, a lot of societal pressure, you know, to sort of look a certain you know, to to be a certain way, and I think a lot of teenagers really feel that, and they develop this almost distorted view of their own body, and and so much of their self image and their self worth becomes tied into how they look, and that really is sort of the the start of of disordered eating patterns. You no, know, once and then it sort of can progress where somebody will start restricting what they're eating and uh, really trying to either lose weight or develop some other sort of of eating problem. So this is definitely still an issue. And, um, you know, honestly, the with this sort of free flow, of like Snapchat, Instagram, it certainly I think raises the question with so much of the medium communication that teenagers are doing now is, is visual, right? It's picture-based. Now, I think back 20, 30 years ago, it was going to be over the phone, right? Well, now people are snapping each other. They're using Instagram. So much of that is picture-based. I do worry, is that going to have sort of a continued effect on people's self-image, you know, how they view themselves and could that potentially lead to more eating problems. I think that's a certain possibility.
0: And that's why it's important that these kids can come to a place like your clinic where you are specifically trained to handle um, the issues facing teens today um, a- another one would be gender identity. This is the time where you're going through puberty, puberty you're experiencing different things sexually. Um, how often are you handling that, um, you know, gender identity or sexual health questions?
1: We know that by the time somebody hits sort of young adulthood, that or a little bit older, most people are going to form some sort of romantic relationship as they're going through life. And the teenage years are really when people start to figure that out for the first time, uh, figure out who they're interested in forming a relationship um, and answering questions like, what is my sexual orientation? What is my gender identity? And one of the things that we really try and emphasize and do in our clinic is that we don't make assumptions. So even starting with Laura bringing the patient back, you know, she asks open ended questions about um, these more sensitive topics. And, and really try and create an environment that is supportive and friendly and and is respectful of the individual teenager and the experiences that they have. Um, so, you know, I do see patients sort of uh, from on all ends of, of the spectrum of of sexuality and gender identity um and and sexual orientation. And I understand that as people go through their teenage years, they're going to have different challenges based on that um, and different support levels from family. So I view my role as really trying to be an advocate for the patient. You know, um, They are my patient. I really want them to have the best outcome possible to sort of be supportive in who they are. And so this is a question that we sort of ask everybody. Are you starting to form? You, if you are, who, who are you interested in? Um, is this a conversation that you've had with your parents, with your peer group? And really just try and provide those resources for families and for patients.
0: Very good. I wish I would have had you as my doctor when I was growing up because it sounds like you guys are so compassionate and understanding and non-judgmental. Um, And so really encourage parents of adolescents to make that appointment um, with Valleywise Health. They have an adolescent clinic specifically for teenagers and young adults. Um, And it sounds like you guys are doing a great thing for our community. Um, Was there anything else that we missed before we kind of wrap up today?
1: Yeah, so the teenage years, I think a lot of people, uh, parents dread them or, or are afraid of what's gonna happen. But I really do want to emphasize that it's a time of really sort of profound growth and development, and you really get to see sort of a, a, a child turning into this individual person um, who has their own sort of dreams and hopes and aspirations. And I think it can be a really exciting time. So there are challenges, of course, for many people, but I think it's also a very, very rewarding time for parents and for families. And I would say, don't be afraid, you know, realize that there are there are will oftentimes be some challenges, but there'll be moments of, I think, great joy and great reward and excitement.
0: If you missed today's show, we will have it posted as a podcast. Uh, you can search for Valley Well Valle Salud wherever you get your podcasts. We'll also have it posted on valleywisehealth.org slash be well. And we'll have a blog with a lot of this information. Um, so you can check that out. We hope you enjoyed listening to Valley Well Valle Salud a health and wellness information program brought to you by Valleywise Health and District Medical Group. If you're looking for more information about what you heard today, visit us online at valleywisehealth.org slash well. There, you'll find blogs and videos from our health care providers, and you can even book an appointment at a Valleywise community health center near you. That's valleywisehealth.org slash bewell. Thanks for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.